I hope you have an outline there on your bulletin and that you will follow it as we're looking at God's Word this morning. I've been a follower for the Lord Jesus Christ, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ for a lot of years. I was saved as a nine-year-old, but there are some things that I have learned about myself as a follower of Christ. I know that there comes times in our life when we get in a spiritual slump. Times in our life when a spiritual dry spell seems to be coming all over us. We become insulated and isolated from the God who saved us and even from other believers, it seems like. We're mediocre. We're casually committed at best. Just plain vanilla, when God has called us to so much more. You know it's evident when you hear your prayers or you listen to the prayers of others. It's the same old thing every time they pray. It's the same old worship. It's the same old songs. Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. That's where we find ourselves so many times. Many times, we're not even aware of the decline in our spiritual life because it's so gradual. We don't understand it. It's sort of like Samson's drift and neglect. He'd gotten used to drawing from the power of God Himself, but because of his sin and self-indulgent, he woke up after a haircut and he said, I will go out as at other times, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. He didn't know the Lord had left him, and the Philistines seized him. We drift away when we neglect God. Our prayers aren't effective. We're no longer a godly influence to the people that we're around. We slip back into the old habits that we thought we had laid down for good. We refuse to forgive people that need our forgiveness or to ask forgiveness from others who need our forgiveness. We start doing what's expedient and comfortable instead of what is right. We harbor attitudes of fear and resentment. We feed the old nature and we neglect the new nature. We feel like David when he said, Oh God, be not far from me. Because we realize he's not in the place that he had been. When a child of God experiences these dry spells... We don't lose our salvation, but I want to tell you we lose our joy. And listen to me carefully. I look in the faces of a lot of people who've lost their joy. A lot of people who've lost their joy. They've lost the peace that comes with that fellowship. What do you do when you find yourself in such a rut? How do you get out? How do you go back to a loving God where you used to be? There's a strange event in the Bible. 
I know you've heard it before, but we're going to look at it again. It's found in 2 Kings. And I hope that you will turn your copy of God's Word to 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, because that's what we're going to be looking at. It's a story about an axe head that was lost. But it has a great spiritual truth, several. I know of four anyway. But when God puts a miracle in His Word, I want you to understand He has some spiritual lessons to teach us far beyond that miracle. And I pray that this morning you and I will see that. In 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7, I want to ask you to stand and follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read aloud these first seven verses of 2 Kings 6. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. Verse 4, So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water. And he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Oh my goodness. That axe head was the working end of that axe. It was the one that could get the job done. And it was lost. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I pray that you would cause every one of us in this room to understand that we demonstrate our love for you by obeying you. That's how we do it, no matter what we say or what we think. And so this morning, Almighty God, please help me, help us to see the importance of hearing and applying your word to our lives, to the situation where we find ourselves. Because when this happens, we genuinely know We belong to you. Oh, that we might obey. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know what we're talking about here. You can get a picture of this in your mind. I'll help you if you can't get a picture in your mind. Now, this probably is not like the axe that was there. It was probably a double-bitted axe, but I don't have one. And here is the one. And if I swung this just right, 
and the head came off, it would land about five rows back. So you all might want to be careful. Here is this son of the prophets, and he has gone out with the others, and they're beginning to chop down logs from trees that grow along the Jordan River, where they're going to build a seminary for themselves. And they're out there working hard. And while this one man, one young son of the prophets, has been beating on this tree with the axe, it comes off the handle. And you probably have experienced something like that if you've ever used an axe much. When it comes off the handle, it's sort of useless. And he cries out, I've lost that axe head. And there's a couple of reasons that he's so distraught. First of all, in that day, in biblical day, to have an iron tool was not something that everybody had. You didn't go to Lowe's or wherever you go to buy those. Not everybody had one. That was something to be able to use when he was trying to fell these logs. But a second thing was, it was borrowed. It wasn't his. He was losing something that didn't even belong to him. He had just lost the cutting edge of what he was trying to work with. Notice what he did. Verse 5 says, He cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he, the man of God, cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, take it up. So he reached out, this young seminarian, he reached out and he picked it up. He took it to himself. Now, why is this story in the Bible? Seems just like an incidental thing that would happen to anybody, anytime when they're working. But why is this event of a floating axe head in God's Word? Well, it teaches four spiritual truths that I'm aware of. And I want to share those with you. When you've lost your cutting edge, we've used the term a lot in our Southern Baptist Church, when you've just backslidden. When your heart is cold. When nothing seems to touch your life anymore. This is what has happened to him. He's lost his cutting edge. And while it is a literal axe head that we're talking about here in 2 Kings, I want you to know that it represents spiritual vitality. It represents the power in your life and in my life that comes from the power of God to enable us to do what God has called us to do. What do you do when you go through a spiritual dry spell? And listen, folks... Some of us are sitting in this place. So listen carefully. God wants to speak to us. Number one, you admit you lost it. You admit you lost it. You stop living in denial and you face reality and you admit the fellowship between you and God is not what it should be or what it was at one time. You're not as close to God as you used to be. Notice what he did. The Bible says... But the one was felling a log, and his axe head fell into the water. And he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. 
the first thing you do is you admit it. Most of us don't want to admit it. He confessed to somebody else that he had lost the cutting edge. But you know what? We don't want to confess that. Most of us don't want anybody else to know because we're a deacon in the church. We're a Sunday school teacher in the church. And we don't want anybody else to know that we're not as close to God as we were at one time. We don't want that. Or maybe we just have said in our mind, well, I'll serve here, but I'm really not going to get involved. I'm not going to be doing all that I used to do. How many people are in this church who used to be really on fire for God and working and doing things through, as God did through their life in the ministry, and they just came to a place and they said, I'm not going to do that anymore. Oh, they didn't say it out loud. They didn't stand up and say it in front of the church. In their mind, they say, I'm backing off. I put in my hours. I was in the nursery when I had young children. I did this when I was younger. I'm not going to do that anymore. I want to ask you, who gave you permission to do that? God didn't give you permission to do that. We just quit doing it. I paid my dues. I, I don't know how many people have told me that. You haven't paid your dues till you step over in glory. I paid my dues. I'm not going to do that anymore, they say. Some other people can do this. I did it when I was young. Now some of these younger people can do it now. So you just lost the head and you're not going to do it anymore. Others, like this young man could have done, others could have kept on chopping and not let anybody know they'd lost the head. You ever hit a tree with an axe that didn't have the axe head on it? Only one, and it'll make you a believer. But there's a lot of people that go on chopping. They're hoping nobody's noticing that they're not really making a difference in people's lives. It's the same old, same old, same old all the time. And they're hoping people are not knowing that they're not in God's Word. They're not talking to Him daily in prayer. They don't have that close communion that they had at one time. And they're just trying to hide it. Surely I can make it until it's all over with and nobody will know. This man could have done the same thing. I've lost it, he said. We don't want to admit that. That our hearts have grown cold. Let me tell you, a child of God who has lost his or her cutting edge and that still is trying to go through the motions is so sad. So sad. You can tell it by their phrases. They say the same thing all the time. You can tell it by their prayers. I remember growing up in a church where I memorized the prayers of a man. It was the same one every time. I'm not saying there's things that, that you're supposed to have a down pat prayer that you change up every few weeks or whatever. But friend, I want to tell you, when your life is vitally connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't help but pour out what's in your heart. That's what we're talking about. And this young man admitted it. Most of us don't. You can tell their phrases. They keep saying the same thing 
over and over and over again, pretending they're close to God when they're not. Again, that saddest story of Samson that we talked about a moment ago. You know, Samson had done whatever God gave him the strength to do, and he was doing havoc everywhere. But then he awoke, Judges 16 tells us, verse 20, from his sleep and said, I will go out at as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that God had left him. Some of us don't even know. We don't even know. We still come to church, Kent. We still do all those things. We still serve where we're supposed to serve. And we don't even know. How do you know? How do you know you're in a spiritual slump? Let me give you some ways. You start losing your love. You start losing your love. You lose your love for other believers in this church. And some of you, bless your sweetheart, you can't stand some other people that attend this church. I know you don't like that. I'm going to be gone in a few weeks. I don't care. I'm telling you the truth. That ain't right. That's not right in a church. That keeps God's power and spirit from being poured out on us. Goodness. You don't love God as you should, and you don't love His people as you should. That's how you know when you're in those kind of slumps. You know that. You can sit through a service and nothing moves you anymore. You don't shed a tear. You don't feel a flutter in your chest. You don't know anything even emotionally that's going on because you are so far from God. You don't feel it and you don't know it. Goodness. You start losing that love. You lost the spark in your life. You've lost your first love. Listen to Revelations 2, 4 and 5. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. He just says, acknowledge it, repent it, and start doing what you did before. Jesus says, you've lost your love for me. You don't even love me anymore. You're in a spiritual slump. You're serving God, and there's no longer any delight. It's just a duty. You have to do it. We have to keep our name looking shiny and good. There's no joy or passion in what you're doing. Nobody sees it in you, and you don't see it in yourselves. Let me tell you something else. You start losing your vibrant faith. You start losing that vibrant faith. Look at Psalm 73, verse 2. But as for me and my feet, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. That's what God says. You're losing that faith that you had in me. When you're in a spiritual slump, you stop taking risk. Your vision shrinks. You start playing the safe side. You're predictable. Ho-hum. Second best is good enough for you. You're not stretching. You're not growing. You're not reaching out in your faith. You begin to back off. You want a comfortable existence. 
you're just sort of dog paddling in the shallow end of the pool. That's all you want. Some of you are here right now. Some of you say, I quit because I was beaten up. I was beaten up by life's experiences. Some of you say, I quit because I've been beaten up by people in the church. Well, I won't deny any of that. I won't deny that at all. But I want to tell you, as I had a pastor friend who was my, men- my mentor, my father in the ministry who died a- about a week and a half ago, he used to say, put on your big britches and let's go. Let's just get over it. Put on your big boy's britches. Friend, I want to tell you something. People are going to hurt you in the church all the time. I know, I know personally. But you have to go on. You have to go on. You cannot just be contented. You've lost the joy. Let me ask an important question right here. Has there ever been a time in your life when you're closer to God than you are right now sitting in that pew? Friend, if you say yes, I won't tell you. I'm talking about you. This is to us. If, there's that, if that answer is yes, what are you going to do about it? That's what I'm going to ask. What are you going to do about it? Again, I'm not as close to God as I used to be. I've settled for second best. It's a lousy way to live. Do you know what the Jordan River means? You know what that word Jordan means? It means death. That's what happens. You die when you get like this spiritually on the inside. If you're going to reconnect with God, I want to tell you your first step is you have to admit you lost it. You have to admit you've lost it. And that's going to be a difficult step, but nothing's going to happen until you admit it. God said, God, you could say to God, God, I don't feel as close to you as I used to. I've lost the joy. God, reignite the passion in my life. God, I'm begging you, warm my cold heart. Would you be willing to pray that and allow God to do that in your life this morning? Let me give you a second principle I learned in this story. Acknowledge where you lost it. Acknowledge where you lost it. That's the next step, the second step in connecting to God. This man identified the exact place where he lost it, the exact spot where it hit the water. Then the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He showed him exactly where it was. There are a lot of things that disconnect us from God. I put some of those on your outline. First, there's distractions and business. We get busy with other things. There's a lot to do out there in the world. They may be good things, but we really get involved in them. Sometimes we can go hours without even thinking about the name of God, without even talking to Him. Some days you can go days without Him coming into your mind and filling your presence at all. You don't. You hardly know He exists until maybe it's time to go back to church again. Serving God can keep you from loving God. You hear me? You can get involved serving God and think, that's really all I have to do. That's all I have to do. Friend, it's not the same as loving Him. It's not the same as loving Him at all. 
You cannot mature spiritually until you're spiritually disciplined every day. You can't do that. Here's another one. Disobedience. Disobedience. Not doing what God told you, what He commanded you to do. Let me tell you something. When was the last time God told you to do something and you ignored it? And you still ignored it. You're going to do it, but you haven't done it yet. You know it's the thing you ought to do, but you haven't done it yet. You're going to wait a while. You're going to delay a while. You're going to procrastinate. I know God wants me to do this, and I'm going to, but you've made yourself comfortable in not doing it right now. Haven't you? You plan to, but you haven't. You know what happens when that happens? You just disconnect from God. Immediately. Some of you know you ought to be in a small group Bible study, a Sunday school. You've had other people tell you about it, but you know what, Kent? I'm just going to come to worship. That's all I need. You know that. I know studying God's Word would be good for me, but I'm not going to do that right now. I know I should talk to God in prayer more than I do. I know that I should do that. But I'm just too busy, Kent. I'm involved with a lot of stuff. I know I should tithe, and I should give above my tithe. I know I ought to do that, but I'm not going to do it right now. Are you like that? Let me give you another disconnect. Relying on your own power. Relying on your own power. When I get presumptuous, and I start depending on Kent instead of God, I'm already cut off from that. You know, I'm a pretty good guy. I can do this without God's strength. I can do this on my own. I just get arrogant when I begin to think that. I'm automatically disconnected from God already. I'm not meant to live like this. I can't live on my own power. Only by God's power can I live. Let me give you another disconnect. Carelessness and laziness. When I get careless and I get lazy in my discipline with God, in my spiritual life, then things start going south. I slack off on attending worship. I've noticed at this church, like every church I'm at, there seems to be days when you've got a whole different congregation. You know, there's, I think they get together. We'll take the second and the third Sunday off. You take the first and the last or whatever. I don't know how they do that. You know, I used to think it was affluence. They were going on vacations all the time. Then I began to find out they're not in vacation, on vacation. They're just laying out. We just get reconnected automatically by what we do. We don't serve. We don't share like we should. If I want to reconnect, here's what I must do. And let me just say, some of you have never connected And if you've never connected, only by the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, when you ask His forgiveness and invite Him to take control of your life, can you be connected? But I'm talking to those that are connected. They're born again. What do you do when you've lost your cutting edge? First of all, you admit it. Secondly, you acknowledge where you lost it. Get honest and specific. Take your pen and you check those things on your outline while nobody's listening where you're disconnected. Or you might want to write a little note there where you're disconnected in all of this. Write it down. Small letters so nobody can see it but you. 
Here's the cause of my spiritual disconnect, my dryness. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be fear. It could be fatigue. We get so tired. Our schedules get so tight and so full. But if we confess our sins, you can count on Him to forgive them, the Bible says. He's faithful to forgive us. Friend, let me tell you, if you're angry at somebody in this church, that disconnect gets you to the place where you don't even know you're cold. But after a while, you know something's not right and you don't want to make it right. You need to make it right. You need to offer forgiveness and you need to receive forgiveness. Maybe it was a relationship, a hobby, making money, any number of things. All I know is that here's where I am, Lord. I'm not as close to you as I used to be. What do you do when you can't even figure out where you lost it? And some of you may be there. It's been so long you don't even know. Let me tell you something to do, friend. And I know this personally. You just cry out to God and say, God, you come to me. I can't even, I don't even know where to come to you. You come to me, God. And I want to tell you when in sincerity you cry out, God, I want you to bring me back where I'm supposed to be. I want to tell you God will do that. He will do that. I know that personally in my heart. You'll begin to know and enjoy the joy of His salvation. Let me give you a third thing that I found out. Expect God to restore it. When you ask Him to, you can expect God to restore it. He will do that. That's the faith step. That's the believing. I must believe that God can and He will and He wants me to bring back, to come back to Him like I was. He wants to bring me back to that. I've got to believe that He'll do that. He'll give me back what I've lost. I don't have to keep living this way. Verse 6 again in 2 Kings 6. When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Elisha does something very odd right there. When this young theologue asked him where that, where he, he asked that young theologue, where did you lose it? He does something very strange in this place. And we get tied up on that. And it is strange. It's a miracle. There's no two ways about it. But I want you to notice some things. Don't get involved in the significance of a stick. That's not what it's all about. He could have thrown a coin in there. You know what he was doing? He was focusing that young man's attention on what God was going to do out in that river in a few moments. He was focusing his attention on that. That's what he wants us to know. I will bring you back. You focus your attention on me, he says. The odd thing that he does is there's no spiritual power in that twig that he cut off. It was just to focus this young man's attention on what God was going to do out there in that river in a few moments. Oh, my friend, it is saying, I believe God will restore what I've lost. That's what it's all about. Elisha's not a magician. It's simply, simply a visual demonstration of what God is going to do. He's going to give this young man back what he lost. That's what he's going to do. 
Now, friend, I don't have any trouble with this miracle. Not at all. The God who made all the iron and iron ore on this planet called Earth doesn't have any trouble raising up one little old axe handle and bringing it to the surface. It's no problem for him. No problem at all for him. God can reverse the laws of gravity anytime he wants to. That's a miracle when he does that. I want you to know clocks usually run clockwise, but the clockmaker can make them run counterclockwise if he wants to. And I want you to understand that's just the master having his way with what is his. And that's what we see in this story. Friend, I don't want you to get caught in a piece of iron floating in a little river like that river. Don't you get caught in that. That's not what this is all about. It's about something else. Here's the point. God specializes in the impossible. That's the point of all of this. He specializes in the impossible. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them, that was his disciples, and he said, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. All things. What seems impossible in your life this morning? What is it when you look at your life, when you look, when you look at your walk with God? What is it that seems impossible? You've tried everything else and it won't change. You don't want to be where you are, but it won't change. So you've just gotten used to being lackadaisical. Half what God wants you to be or less. Friend, I want to tell you something. Don't you ever say, I can't ever be close to God again. Because you can. You may have lost His power today, but you don't have to live there. God specializes in these impossible recoveries. Jeremiah fifteen nineteen. Therefore thus says the Lord, If you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. You shall stand before me. You'll get back in the relationship you're supposed to be with me. What a promise. What a promise. If you're a believer, if you are a believer, let me ask you. If you're tired of flailing around with an axe that has no, just the handle has no cutting edge on it. If you're tired of trying to make everybody think you're what you used to be. If you're tired of going through the motions without any spiritual emotion, if you've lost your cutting edge, if you are tired of living under your power instead of God's power, the good news is you don't have to live that way. You can reconnect, you can recover what you have lost spiritual, your spiritual power. Let me give you a fourth thing. It's vital to these steps to regaining your spiritual power. You admit you lost it. You acknowledge where you lost it. You expect God to give it back. That's the faith step. But then you reach out and receive it. You reach out and receive it. You accept what God wants to give you by grace. 2 Kings verse six, verse 7, 2 Kings 6, And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and he took it up. Here's a piece of iron floating on top of the Jordan River. I've seen that river. It's just like all the other rivers. Never seen an iron piece of iron float on those rivers before. But that piece comes from the bottom and floats there on the top and it's just floating there like a reed would float in the water. 
And the man of God says, reach and pick it up. Now you can't tell me the God who made all the iron and the God who floated that axe head to the top of the water couldn't make it another 15 or 20 feet and put it on a handle. He could do that if he wanted to. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's some things that God expects you to do and He expects me to do. And He will not do what He does until I've done what I'm supposed to do. And that happens in your life just the same. It's happened in your life just the same. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had for me first. And remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the works you did in the first. That's how you reach out and take it. That's exactly how you reach out and take it. The verse says, remember where you were. Do you remember what it was like when you were walking close with God and the fellowship was there and you spoke to Him often and daily and you were in His Word and you loved His people, you loved this church. There wasn't a person in this church you didn't love and you wanted to be around them and you were so thankful for a place like this where the Word was preached and where you could see brothers and sisters in Christ growing along with you. Can you remember that? He says, remember. That's not all he said. He said in it, repent. He said, repent. Ask God to forgive you. Be specific. When God tells you and He shows you and reveals your sin to you, you ask forgiveness for each one of them. One by one you ask. You do that. And then God, do these things now that you did at the first. Bring me back to where I'm supposed to be. I want to tell you something right now, all over this building, including this pastor, you're as close to God as you want to be. You can't blame it on some preacher that made you mad. You can't blame it on some member that made you mad. You can't blame it on some interim pastor that made you mad. You can't blame it on a school teacher. You can't blame it on the music. You are as close to God as you want to be. And you need to take responsibility for that. Right now. We can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You remember? You repent and you return. And you return. Take the steps back. Jesus says, take those steps back to me. People who are used by God are people who are connected. And they want that. They want that. They crave it. They long for it. They want it like they want life like they want life. Psalms 84 verse 2, My soul longs, yes, yet faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Is your heart like that? Is your heart like that? Do you long to feel that and to know that in your life? God won't be second. In fact, he wants preeminence. If you're going to reconnect, it's got to be God's way. He can't hold anything back. I close. Keith Green wrote a song. You're going to know it when I read it. I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. But he wrote this in that song. He said, My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart 
is hard. My prayers are cold. And I know how I ought to be.